I can't believe that we've made it to the end of the summer and thousands of student loan borrowers still have no idea what is happening with the potential student loan forgiveness policy, if it's going to happen or if it's not. In fact, I spent 13 freaking weeks <laughs> discussing the nuances of the student loan forgiveness policy with guests who were both for and against this moving forward. I picked that time frame on purpose though, because I knew the current student loan pause would end on August 31st, 2022. At the time that I'm recording these comments, it is Monday, August 22nd, 2022, and we still have no idea what's going to happen. As students of all ages head back to school, they'll also find themselves hit with some additional expenses that they might not have planned for, such as having to pay for lunch because the free lunch program that was enacted for the last couple of years as a response to the pandemic, that policy, that program, it's gone. What surprised me about the conversations that I had with my guests was how much they were in agreement with how to move forward so that we don't end up having the same conversation about student loans 10, 15, or 20 years from now. I thought I would share briefly my opinion and thoughts on what should happen and my views uh, were actually really influenced by the conversations that I had over the summer with my guests. Now, this shouldn't surprise you. I am actually pro-student loan forgiveness. For me, I often think of the following phrase, show me your budget, I'll show you your values. And I think for a country, that is the same thing. I spent a lot of time thinking about that sentiment throughout the summer as I watched announcements sharing that funds were being allocated towards so many things that weren't for the social good of American citizens. However, at the same time, I do have concerns about the following questions that my guests also posed. And also, these are the concerns that I see on TV, people's talking points, in the news, on social media. So I think it's important to share the things I worry about. How do we keep this from happening again? It seems pretty obvious, but just because we take care of things in some sort of way or fashion right now, how do we keep this from happening again? If student loan forgiveness moves forward, what is the mechanism to access all the information around it, the logistics, the process? One of my guests pointed out that many people have numerous loans, like maybe they have seven loans. How is that $10,000 supposed to be allocated or 50 towards the loans that you currently have? How are you eligible for the forgiveness? Like, how do they figure that out? What about the students who are currently taking student loans right now? How do we protect them? And by the way, these are students of all ages, both 17 year olds and up to grown ass adults. Is there a way to make higher education more affordable? And how do we keep universities from raising tuition unnecessarily to cover expenses that are really not in alignment with what college should be, which is preparing people for work? And with that in mind, is undergrad relevant anymore? I had a wonderful undergrad experience, but it wasn't so good that I should still be owing money for it. Just throwing it out there. What about the people who attended university and paid off their loans? What can we do for them? Is there a credit that we can give them 
or some kind of help towards purchasing a home? Like, what can we do so that they don't feel penalized for having paid their loans or just somehow been able to mitigate some of the disaster that a lot of people have found themselves in? I do think it's important to have that part of the conversation. And then finally, I thought that I would highlight the solutions that my guests shared throughout the season. Feel free to let me know what other solutions you think should be considered or whether or not you are a supporter of student loan forgiveness. If you don't support it, I think it's important to acknowledge and share why. I felt like there were some compelling reasons that people did share about why it shouldn't move forward. And I think ultimately, even though I think the fairness conversation is kind of a little overplayed and and is parallel to some talking points in the greater scheme of things that I find highly problematic, I do think that it's important to talk about what can go wrong, right? Either way, what can go wrong if the administration decides that this is not something that we should move forward with? I also want to point out that, again, it's August 22nd as I'm making these comments. Back to school in my area happened today. Like all the kids in my state at this point are basically back in school. Universities are back in session. And there are expenses that people are starting to get hit with on top of inflation. And so the other conversation or question is, will doing this policy create more inflation or will it help balance out the inflation we already have? It's like this really confusing chicken before the egg kind of scenario. And oh my God, it's so much. So I hope you enjoy what my guests had to say in terms of solutions. They're really good. And I wish that the administration would listen to this season, to this series, 13 episodes. Please do share with people. I loved creating this work. By the way, I'm going to be releasing a single episodes for the next couple of weeks after the season's over. And then I'm going to be talking all about turning points in women's money. This one's huge. This is going to be a huge, huge season. If you are interested in being a sponsor for that season, for a segment of that content, please let me know. I will be doing a crowdfunding campaign for the month of September to make sure that I can produce this type of work that helps people, wins awards, deepens conversations. But anyway, listen to the show. If you're looking for some guidance on what to do with your student loans and you need an outside perspective on what your options are, Student Loan Planner may be the resource for you. Schedule a paid consultation with one of Student Loan Planner's student loan consultants who will walk you through what your options are. Student Loan Planner has a 99% satisfaction rate and a whole person-focused approach when helping their clients. If you're worried about saving for retirement, going on vacation, and the impact of your student loan repayment on those goals, Student Loan Planner consultants understand and respect those concerns and keep that in mind while working with you. Please note, if you're listening to this episode in 2022, you have until October 31st, 2022 to submit your public service loan forgiveness waiver. I've also included a link in the show notes. I'm proud to partner with Student Loan Planner. And if you're interested in scheduling your student loan paid consultation, go to the following link, michelleismoneyhungry.com backslash student loan plan 
Finally, I would like to thank the Plutus Foundation for its support of the Michelle is Money Hungry podcast. The Plutus Foundation supports financial content creators with grants, networking, learning events, and podcasts. Twice a year, Plutus provides grants for financial literacy projects of all types. The foundation highlights excellence throughout the Plutus Awards, and you can see how you can make a bigger impact with your audience at Plutus Voices and the Plutus Impact Summit. Go to PlutusFoundation.org for more information. Please note, Michelle is Money Hungry is for entertainment purposes only. Content should not be considered financial advice, and listeners are encouraged to do their own due diligence. Welcome to Michelle is Money Hungry, a podcast that has real and empathetic conversations that often focus on the intersection of policy and the financial conversations we're really afraid to have. I'm your host, Michelle Jackson, and this summer I'm having conversations all about the potential for student loan forgiveness and what will happen if we move forward with the policy and what happens if we don't. there is historic precedent for this. I cite history in college, so I'm a, I'm a bit of a nerd, but um, you know, if you go way, way back to, you know, biblical times, there's precedent for what were called debt jubilees, where after so many years, debt was forgiven in ancient Babylonia. Hammurabi, which is one of the most, I think, famous and, and well-known leaders that came out of that empire, he wiped away debt to win political favor from his constituents. So, you know, that, that that's an option. Um, but more recently in Iceland, following the financial collapse of 2008, the government there, I, I forget the, the exact percentage, but they eliminated a substantial amount of people's mortgages. They just wiped them clean. So there is precedent. It can be done. It's just a matter of, of, of willingness. So I would give everyone the same equity, wipe their slates clean, and, and let's move on. The third thing I would do, I don't know. That's a really, I think service is, is, is super important. But maybe maybe participation in in you know local communities because I think I think that's something we're also really starting to lose and I think it is actually tied to the student loan picture writ large. Um, a lot of people had to move to bigger cities to get the jobs they needed to get to afford to pay back the loans, and we've lost the sense of community. So I, I don't know if there's a way to like tie in some sort of localized civic engagement into a student loan forgiveness program, but I would I would add that requirement as well. One thing, Michelle, that we haven't really talked about with regard to student loan forgiveness and government public policy and things like that is the impact of student loan repayment programs by employers. There's been a lot of talk around free college, and I know many employers will do a tuition reimbursement. That was always a benefit in the tax code. But today, more and more companies are starting to offer some amount of student loan repayment as a benefit. Now, typically, these companies are white-collar companies and stuff. So, you know, there's some probably equity and fairness issues around that too. But another way that student loan forgiveness could be achieved or people with student loans today could get some more help while waiting on government is to look at employers with these programs. And I know that these programs are held up for a long time because there was a lot of uh, regulatory concerns about how the IRS would view this and, you know, would be treated as compensation and therefore taxable and 
And, you know, and companies right now can do things like, well, for every dollar of student loan repayment you make, well, you know, companies can chip in $1 into your 401k on your behalf, right? So you can sort of pay down your debt while, while the company is helping you save. But, but for a long time, the regulations around doing that kind of thing wasn't really clear. So student loan repayment as a benefit program is a relatively new phenomenon. When we talk about like how to solve this problem, then another way to solve this problem really could be is let's work through the tax code to make student loan repayment as a benefit by companies more widely available, right? So I will tell you, in my personal opinion, I really like the concept because people can choose where they go to work, right? Like you're not forced to work for company A versus company B. And companies would have to compete for workers with different pays and benefits and things like that. And so, you know, this would present a solution that could apply to a lot of people and give people a lot of freedom of choice in terms of how they want to benefit from it. If you were an advisor, what would you advise the Department of Education to do? Like, what would be three strategies or three, I don't know, three policies that you're like, look, Department of Education, could you at least do these three things? Yeah, I think so. I think this is actually a really interesting point to see where I think a lot of these conversations around loan forgiveness are frustrating to me, both in the direct, like the, the loan forgiveness conversation itself, and then the problem being so much harder to fix than it seems, right? Because if I'm advising the Department of Education, there's not a lot they can do without Congress. And Congress is not going to do anything (laughs) in the near future. We are SOL. (laughs) (laughs) Right? Right? So a lot of the conversation around student loans, when I'm getting pushback from people um, about forgiveness generally, is people saying, you know, we, we shouldn't do forgiveness unless we can also fix the underlying problems. Or we shouldn't do forgiveness unless we can also, you know, send a check to people who have already paid off their loans. Or instead of blanket forgiveness, we should do this other policy proposal that I've just come up with that's nuanced and perfect. And that's all great and right, (laughs) basically, right? Like we have to fix the underlying problems. But right now the Department of Education under existing law has the power to forgive student loans. 20 USC 1082A for the nerds. That gives the (laughs) Secretary of Education the power to to forgive loans held by the Department of Education. Any of those other proposals need to go, we need a new law. We need legislation to come from Congress. And if we need a new law, we need 60 votes in the Senate. And if we need 60 votes in the Senate, you're looking at finding an education proposal that can get the agreement of all 50 Democrats, which is very unlikely. And then even if you can achieve that, you need to find 10 Republicans who want to expand access to higher education. It's not going to (laughs) happen. It's not possible. It's not in the realm of possibility in this decade, at least. Right. So I have a lot of thoughts about, you know, how we can address the education issue. I don't have many suggestions for how we can actually realistically um, in our current political reality solve this crisis. You know, the the Senate is just, it is there, it is blocking the way on just about everything that would be useful in solving the underlying crisis. And I I don't know how to get around that. 
I, wow. I mean, that, I mean, you're not wrong, to be honest. Um, I had a whole different question, but my mind is blown right now. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry to, 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 uh, sidetrack this entire interview I'm like, with my was, rant about the Senate. <laughs> that was a downer, man. So if you're advising, um, the department of education and, and, and graduates, like the Department of Education and the administration, excuse me, about how to clean up the mess that they are very invested in. Like this is, who gives a 17 to 25 year old the kind of money that they're giving, right? What would you tell them about, rather, how would you advise them on cleaning up the programs on the lending side so that they can manage what's happening better. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I, I think I do. And before I answer that question, I one one other thing I wanted to add, because you, you'd asked a two-part question. I feel like I ranted about only one half of it. So okay, sorry, let's for, do for, it. Let's do it. For throwing us off a little bit on schedule. <laughs> but the, you, had, you had talked about like the classism and perhaps even the, the, the hint of racism in a lot of these arguments. I think the reason why that exists or one of the reasons why it exists rather is because we have fallen into a place where we equate debt with morality and that paying off your debt is a, a virtuous thing and that having no debt makes you a better person. And by your debt being wiped away, like you didn't go through the process of morality. You didn't, you didn't become a great person because of the quote unquote, the work and that you took a shortcut and that that superiority that I have on you by being debt free, by going through that process, I, I no longer have that over you. And I think that's a part of it too. Um, whereas you could be in debt for, for no fault of your own, right? It, it, it could be those situation in New Jersey where a, a mother took out parent plus, plus loan for her son, the son died and oh she was God. still, yeah. And she was still on the hook for it. And they were, there was an entire legal battle about whether she should even be forced to pay for a, a degree and a loan that she one did not have, but for a person that is no longer with us. And does that make her a bad person? Right. Like we, we got into a spot where it's like, well, those who are wealthy, those who are debt free are just good people. And you should be a good person and pay off the debt that, that you took out when you were 17 and didn't really know anything about life. We have to get out of that, that you can you can be debt free and still be a terrible person and vice versa. <laughs> um, and I think we just, you know, we for, I don't know how it started or who started that, but we just get into a, a really strange moral argument where debt-free is, is automatically good, not, not from a financial perspective, but from a morality, personal perspective. And those who have debt are just bad because it, it doesn't, it doesn't make any sense because I made my last payment does not make me more virtuous than the payment before that. I'm really like anti-college. I think my um, articles on it have gotten like less and less interesting, but it's to me, it's, it's almost like a weird fantasy of mine now. I mean, I had one article where I wrote about, you know, all these problems that would be solved if college was abolished. We wouldn't have to worry about college athletes not getting paid or adjunct professors or people chasing tenure and, or the senior slump, or it was like amazing. And I, and obviously there's, there are losers in this game too, but I kind of think also there would be so many winners. And if we could think more creatively about this, uh, which I'm pleasantly surprised to find and, and somewhat shocked that someone else wanted to abolish college too, because I thought this was pretty fringe, but hopefully this will <laughs> become a movement so that there's more pressure. I mean, institutions that have massive amounts of money and power, and we just leave them alone, unlike 
Fortune 500 companies that we throw under the bus, like colleges have tons, billions and billions of dollars that they could be using to solve these problems. And they're not. What would you replace college with? Like, what would you do instead? I was talking about this with someone and they said that college should be free. And I thought, no, I don't want college at all. If it's free, that means that someone is paying for it. And I don't think it's worth, I don't think it's worth the private sector paying for it. So I'm not sure why we would get the government to pay for it. You have to make it worth something. So instead, I would think after high school, then everyone starts looking for a job instead of after college. So if you're going to graduate school, if you're going to medical school, you just go straight to medical school like they do in some other, I think, European countries. So you get four years of your life back. You'll hear people say, hey, I paid off all my loans. What like this pisses me off. Do you do you think that's a fair uh, criticism? Um, I think it's fair for those people who are recent graduates and tackled their debt. Hearing from someone who took out loans in 1970, 1980, early 90s, I don't think that works the same. I get it, but your balances are nowhere near what it was. So your frustration there. Also, like, just because you did something doesn't mean that forgiveness is bad for other people. It's a very selfish response to things. But we we have to have those conversations and address those because if we think about it, the vast majority of Americans don't have student loan debt as well. And so you're asking them to carry part of that burden as a taxpayer. So you have to be able to address it to them. How does this work? How does this benefit it? And I think the question you asked me earlier about um, what happens if we do forgive student loan debt, what do we do then? Because all it is is just a big reset button and we're still dealing with the same problem maybe five, 10 years down the line. Instead of charging five, six, 7% interest and waiving ten or $50,000, why don't you just charge 2% interest on all federal student loans to accredited universities? Just 2% interest. Now, isn't that more fair than giving Mr. Smith $50,000 and asking his, the guys that work for Mr. Smith to pay for it? That doesn't make sense to me. If you were designing this policy, what would be three different things that you would do so that this could or could work or just just walk away from it? What would you do? First and foremost, if they decided, let's say the $10,000, because right now that's probably the best that people are going to do. The, the $50,000 is probably never going to happen. But the $10,000 one, if they decide to do that, I would say that we have to look at it in two ways. You got the forgiveness there, but with higher ed institutions, whenever we start doing the free community college in some states or the, the, the student loan forgiveness and so forth overall, then those institutions start raising their prices because the fall guys, the government, not them. My plan would be able to find a way to keep them from doing that. Secondly, is to understand that it's people coming after all these graduates right now and all the graduates from 20 years ago, mm-hmm. if, you, if they get student loan forgiveness, then what about them that just started? They're starting in the fall. Mm-hmm. Do they just get left behind? Mm-hmm. So how can we factor in to make sure that some kind of thing, you know, happens for other people? What does need what needs to go into paying into that? And then last but not least, financial literacy. And I mean, real financial literacy has to be put in place in high schools. It, it just has to be. It, it makes no sense that so many people are going to colleges out of their financial league, that it just is like that will decrease a lot of the future student loan debt. If students would go to the colleges that they can afford, that they can work to get scholarships for and, and go that way, then we won't be even having this conversation because there'll be le- less student loan debt. 
So that that would be my three right there. I think there are a lot of things that could be done. I, I think a, one thing is making the forgiveness an easier process, simplifying it, streamlining it. And a lot of work has been happening in the last year at the federal level to do that. I think that there are some things that would probably get widespread support, like let's cut this interest rate to zero for things we want people to do. We want people to get more education. So why is the federal government charging interest, let alone 7.9% interest when people take that path? I think we should be looking seriously at the European model where you're not charged in the first place for it. And I think another thing that would help a lot is to not make it this all or nothing program where you do 10 years and you can get it all forgiven. You do nine years, 11 months of public service and you don't get a dime forgiven. Uh, there's there's no logic to that. And so I, I think ideally you'd have every single year you do public interest work, some percentage, maybe it's 10% every year gets forgiven on December 31st and you get a letter saying, thank you for your service. Here's how much less you owe now. I think they need to educate America on these programs more and they don't. So the fact is, I really, you know, you can argue that Biden's not doing enough, but honestly, Biden's the first president that's even trying to fix the existing system. And the existing system provides for loan forgiveness for 50% of all student loan borrowers as a whole, right? And so you could say that the programs don't work and the, you know, people that should get it haven't. And you're right. There are a lot of issues. And I love to rag on Navient and Nelnet, just like the rest of us. Like they, <laughs> they suck in a lot of ways. I've been there. But at the same time, those are contractors for the Department of Education. So when is our government going to start holding our contractors accountable for the results? Like you just said you were doing some freelance work. Like, could you imagine not being held accountable for your work if you were like a contractor? Right. We need to hold our contractors accountable to deliver on the promises that we gave our borrowers. Because I do believe that programs like that um, are very beneficial. Like I would like to see public, I would like to see something like public service loan forgiveness expanded to just be every borrower, every loan type. You work in this country for 10 years. I don't care what you do. Just go work for 10 years and any remaining balance on your student loan is forgiven. Right. Right. Because why do we have to do, I mean, I get why we say public service jobs, because I think we as a country say we value public service jobs, right? We need teachers, we need firefighters, and that we do. But like, why not just have everyone work for 10 years and any remaining balance is forgiven? My other argument is part two is who pays for that forgiveness? Mm. I would personally like to see the college that originated the loan pay for that forgiveness. Now, here's why. You're going to suddenly put a ton of accountability on these schools and either they're going to have a positive ROI and these schools aren't going to be paying anything out of pocket because their students are working for 10 years after graduation and things are going well. And there's always going to be a problem. There's always going to be a three to five percent that, you know, life just didn't work out, but they can budget for that. They already have the data. They already know how many of their students default for the last 20 years. It's all public record. You can go find the Excel spreadsheet yourself and you can go, you can actually go to um, college school scorecard.org. It's a really cool website. And you can type in your college and you can find the default rates and the student loan repayment rates of your school or any school in this country. So the data is there. They can model for it. They can plan for it, but they should pay if they're overcharging. And the problem is, is you're going to see probably a thousand plus schools close if you did that policy. But on the flip side, what does that tell you about those thousand schools? <laughs> 